You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Welcome to another episode of Hive Hoops. It only took us 16 episodes before having our very first guest on, and so we had to go big with it. So please welcome the editor, it's Warren Sting, and the host of the Bring the Sting podcast, Evan Birchmore, everyone, everywhere. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I've really been looking forward to this. Uh, looking forward to talking some hoops, talking some hornets, and uh, just kind of, you know, having a good conversation, kind of just catching up on things as well. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I've noticed I've listened to the pod before, um, and I've noticed that a lot of times you fly solo. You know, it. it, it I know you have guests on as well, but a lot of t- segments at least, and then many episodes as a whole, you you fly solo often. And, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing as well here at Hive Hoops. And, um, you know, so you were one of the first people that popped in my mind. I'm like, hey, you know, we need to get together. We need to, uh, you know, discuss some of this, what's transpired early on in this 2022-2023 Hornets season. Um, but... So, yeah, that's why you came up. I saw some of your tweets the other day. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. But, uh, man, just jumping on in, the Hornets are 7-16, and 16, right? We're past the one-fourth mark. We're, we're past 25% uh, of the season. Uh, in good sample size that we can pretty much glean from and where we can really start making some measured you know, predictions or, uh, you know, analysis, whether that be for what's happened, what's happening currently, and what we think will happen in the future as well. Because we got a pretty good amount that we can pull from. Um, coming off that really bad loss to the Bucks, where they were missing everybody that matters on that team, right? And, um, I mean, so – Pretty much. I know the Hornets are dealing with their own injuries. We all know it's well documented. Everybody's talked about it in nausea. Um, but what do you make of this start for the Hornets? And more importantly, which direction do you think this team should go as far as that whole tank, not tank, play it out, see where things go, conversation goes? Yeah, uh, really good question. A lot to dive into on that. Just to start what I make of the start to the season, you said it, uh, you know, seven and 16 now, and you're over 25% of the way through an 82 games schedule. So I think it's getting to the point where we have enough data and enough games that have happened to make good judgments on what this team is, right? Like they start three and three and, you know, they beat Golden State in that game. And I, and I think you saw a lot of folks, you know, surprise playoff team and, and, you know, kind of these overreactions, right? We have a lot more data now to back up, like, what this team is and what all the other teams are as well, right? Like, you beat San Antonio, who has lost, I think, 16 of their last 17 games now. So that's not that impressive of a win. You beat the Hawks, who have kind of been hit or miss. You beat the Warriors and then some other good wins recently, you know, but – Really, the main thing that I keep going back to with this team, because if you just go down the schedule, there have been a lot of games that were winnable games that they kind of let slip away. You know, even the Bucks, you know, just the other night, probably a game you could have won with no Giannis, no Middleton, 
and no Drew Holiday. Like you feel like, okay, even a shorthanded Hornets team on your home court, you might be able to handle that. And you, you kind of hung with them. I mean, you didn't get just t- totally blown out. I know you beat the Wizards the other night, but you you tried to give that one away. Like there's been lots of games where you really either hung on for dear life or could have won. And I think it comes back to when you're relying on guys kind of playing above their heads, when it gets to crunch time, they're just not used to that. Like no LaMelo. Terry missed a lot of time. Obviously he's been back now. Uh, clearly no Miles Bridges this year. I mean, just that that obviously we weren't going to have him this year. Gordon Hayward now out. Dennis Smith Jr. out. Cody Martin out. I mean, you got all these guys out. You're asking guys to do things they have not been asked to do before beyond probably Terry and PJ as far as playing crunch time minutes and, and, you know, Mason as well, but he's not a guy you go to for a bucket in the clutch more than likely. So that kind of leads me into, you know, how you judge this team and how you judge coach Clifford and how you judge, you know, are they meeting expectations? It's like, I really had no expectation for this team. That sounds kind of almost sad in a way or like defeatist, but I didn't really have lofty expectations kind of looking more for individual performance. So I think it's a little more fair to say, Hey, player X has met my expectation. Player Y has not met my expectation to this point. But as far as the team as a whole, I mean, I hate it because it feels like a total cop-out answer. And it kind of segues a little bit into, you know, what we talked about with the Twitter conversations as well. But as far as the players on the court and the team on the court, I'd almost just have to give them an incomplete grade. But because it's just impossible to really hold them to any sort of a standard right now. When you look on a nightly basis, like who are they more talented than? And that might sound harsh, but, you know, there's only been a handful of games where I, I thought that was just basically like an unacceptable type of loss. Like, Getting blown out in Orlando, like that probably should not never happen. Um, there there are a few others as well in there. But ultimately, it, it, it is a little bit uh, – there's an obvious handicap as well. And I think really the frustrations and any blame, if you want to cast blame, kind of needs to go beyond the people on the court because they're not necessarily the ones who put themselves in this position in the first place. Yeah, so just – kind of trying to pick at what you said right there. Are you one that more so blames the injuries for where the Hornets are, or are you one that just completely like even coming into the season? I know you kind of got into that, but I kind of want to press in on that a little bit more. Are you more of this, the Hornets are injury riddled, like it is what it is, or just completely like whatever happened this season was going to happen. So. Right. Well, again, I don't want to blame it 100 percent on injuries, because at the end of the day, that is part of the game. And ultimately, it's your responsibility as a team to be ready for that. Right. Like it's a contact sport. People miss time. Even last year, people missed time. You know, I mean, Hayward, of course. But then you look at other guys miss time with injury as well. Uh, Ultimately, I think you were pretty lucky. And I think this year you've been. Look, it's been about as bad as possible. I mean, I guess it could always get worse, but it's been pretty rough. I don't have a stat to pull, but I'd imagine, you know, if you were to just go, you know, total games missed due to injury, you'd be pretty close to the top of the list as far as the Hornets are concerned. And again, that doesn't even account for your leading score from last year, who, again, that's nobody's fault but his own, but it is what it is as far as removing his production. Then I think that elevates PJ Washington into a role he's never played before as well. And it, it, again, that is kind of what it is, but like even back to 
the other night with the Bucks. Like they're down there, three top players, and they have enough competitive depth. And they uh, clearly they, those guys have the experience as well. And that's just a really solid team. I mean, they're my pick to get to the finals out of the East this year. Um, so clearly Milwaukee is a far superior team to Charlotte, but that's a team that, hey, they're down there, three top guys. They're still able to take care of business, right? You look at these other teams, like a Memphis last year, their record without John Morant was absurd. Like like they just were an incredible team, even without that guy. So in, in a sense, yeah, like the injuries are largely to blame, but then at the end of the day, it's also, it's not a, it's not an excuse. I don't want to ever make it an excuse because it's professional sports and people do get hurt. Like that's part of the game. And, and ultimately it's kind of your job to adjust to that and be able to overcome that. Um, but going into the season, yeah, I mean, my prediction, I predicted you to win 34 games and be 12th in the East because I didn't think Charlotte was ever going to commit to a tank. And so I thought you'd kind of just be a a team kind of in that no man's land. And if you were fully healthy, I do think that's kind of where you would be on track to be right now. You might be beneath that because of the injuries, but I'm not sure how much better a full bill of health may or a clean bill of health rather makes this team. Like, I'm not sure you're, I'm still not convinced you're a top eight team in the East, even if you're completely healthy, the East is just so good this year. Um, I don't know. What's kind of your take on that? I mean, are you one who kind of thinks injuries are mostly to to blame for what's going on this year? Uh, no, I don't. Um, as you got into just for a moment, I mean, we've played teams all year long who have been dealing with their own injuries. Uh, this latest game's a game against the Bucks, Like you said, yeah, they have a Bobby Portis who's played in the finals. You know, they have a Brooke Lopez who's played in the finals and play and, and these guys have played well in, in in those games in the finals on the highest stage and so yeah they have a couple of those guys and those two were two of the ones who played the best with their stars down and it made a lot of sense but even with that being said that's one of those games that you look like you're at you're at home you seem to have enough to where you should be able to get that that job done and you just don't do it um the game against the Kings on Halloween night, spooky things happened in that second half to the Hornets. Uh, the Kings were without De'Aaron Fox, uh, arguably their best player. And you lose when you're up double digits in the second half. I, that shouldn't happen. Um, you've dropped some games to the Wizards early on. Uh, the Wizards don't really scare me with Bradley Beal. And then you take Bradley Beal out, that really doesn't scare me. And so I felt like that should have been a win. The blowout against the Magic is unacceptable. And so, honestly, do I think the injuries have played a role? Of course. Of course they have. If this team was healthy and they had most of these guys at their disposal, then, yeah, I think that there would be, you know, at least add two or three more wins at minimum, right? But even without those guys, the Hornets were still in place to win numerous games. Uh, I, I believe the standing total right now is eight on the season where the Hornets have led in the fourth quarter and ended up losing a game or overtime, fourth quarter or overtime. I think the total's at eight currently. And so, no, I, I don't blame injuries. Are they unfortunate? Of course. Do I think the Hornets would be in a better place? Uh, had those not have taken place? Of course. 
But at the end of the day, they've been in most of these games, honestly. And has it played a role? Yes. Do I blame them, though? No, I don't. And so uh, what is your counter to that? Exactly my point, and that, that blew my mind when I saw. I, I believe your account you tweeted it out. Uh, eight games, you know, in which you basically let a lead slip away um, down the. Tried to do the it the game. other night against the Wizards. Right, tried to do it against the Wizards. That was the most insane thing. I mean, you, you think, okay, like solid victory. You know, we're kind of like that was about to be a collapse of epic proportion. And really, what's been killing you is fourth quarter but even more particularly the third quarter blows my mind i was actually just looking up the stat yeah third quarter point differential this season you're fifth worst in the league okay and the teams beneath you the spurs the pistons the magic and the rockets everybody you're 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 not in good company (laughs) and the gap like the bottom five san antonio this has to just be historically bad has been outscored by 283 points in the third quarter this season oh my gosh Next worst is Detroit, negative 202. These are all negative. They've been outscored by these amounts. 202 for Detroit, 160 for Houston, 158 for the Magic, 138 for Charlotte. And again, that's through 23 games. So if you do the math, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what that turns out to. But basically, on average, you're being beaten in the third quarter in these games. And the, the next closest team to Charlotte beyond that. It's negative 42, and that's the Clippers. So you're nearly 100 points worse in the third quarter than the the team, I guess, right behind you. So all that to say, these third quarters where you've been coming out having some solid first halves, I think it goes back to this. Again, I'm not going to blame injuries for the – I mean, clearly you take out LaMelo, you take out Hayward, you take out Cody Martin. That's going to impact your team. But really where I see it impacting your team – it's not like you just take LaMelo and say, okay, well, subtract 18 points and subtract like 15 for Hayward and subtract 10 points for Cody. It doesn't work that way. Other guys step up and score because the shots are distributed to those guys. But where it really shows itself is down the stretch of these games. Jalen McDaniels hasn't really been asked to do this ever before. Um, PJ has, but he's being asked to do it a lot more this year. You know, guys like Bryce McGowan's is literally a rookie. Right. He was playing at Nebraska last year. You got guys like Teo Maladon out there playing big minutes for you. These guys are clearly they're good players. They're in the NBA, but they're just being in these positions where they have never been before. And I think it shows itself. You can come out hot for 24 minutes, but you go to the locker room, you come out for that third quarter, you're just getting blitzed a lot of times. And that's where it goes back to your your stat, all these leads, you know, basically that you're letting slip away. Mm-hmm. that's really where I see this whole thing kind of manifesting itself it, it is particularly in the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter as well. I mean, even if you're able to, to kind of tread water enough in the third, even in the fourth, it's like, it, it's just really not working out for you most nights. Yeah. They're just trying to hold on for dear life. And I think that's where we've seen a lot of people, especially on Hornets, Twitter and in different avenues and spaces, you know, talking about Terry Rozier late in games and how he hasn't he hasn't performed well outside of that miraculous comeback in Cleveland when he always plays well in Cleveland. We should have known that there was going to be a moment of Terry Magic. Some at some right when he's back at home, he just like becomes the best okay. version of himself. It yeah. is it is what it is. But um, you know, he's really struggled late in games and. 
I think that's another aspect um, that we're not really looking for is because Terry is a guy who has been in the playoffs. Now it's been a while and it's been a while, but he has been in the playoffs. He's been in those moments and he's trying to shoulder so much of that weight because he looks around and he sees who he's working with. And he's like, man, I don't know if these guys are going to be able to do it. I think it's got to be on me. I'm not trying to get into Terry's head too specifically, but that's got to be what's going on on that front. And then as far as what you stated elsewhere with Jalen McDaniels doing what he's doing and being asked to do, and then PJ being asked to do what he's being asked to do to where we look back in previous seasons, it was basically play the five down the stretch, guard their big man, box out, make sure he doesn't get rebounds. If you don't get the rebound, it's fine. Just make sure their big doesn't play great defense. And if you get a chance to hit a big three down the stretch, do that to where this season he's shouldering more. Teo Maladon, you mentioned him. He was in the G League last year. We don't we don't even talk about these things because right now it's who the Hornets have to use. Like Clifford is using who he has to use. But like Teo Maladon, I saw him in person in a G League game last year. He was almost out of the – like he was getting and garnering no attention this summer. And so these are the guys that we're asking uh, to go out and close basketball games, and they just – they don't know how to. Yeah, I mean, really it's kind of like – if I had to make like a, a really bad analogy here, it's almost like like you go to a restaurant and you get like – yeah, I don't know, you get like chips at a Mexican restaurant or you get bread at Olive Garden or whatever. And then if you just never get the main course and, and, and like literally like that's what PJ, PJ Washington is like last year, he was an important part of this team. I don't want to say he was just like, like he played critical minutes on this team last year, but basically now you're asking him to be like one of the main guys and he's just either not ready for that or not capable of that. And that's fine. Like there are plenty of most guys in the NBA are not core players. Like there's a lot of just really good supporting level players because we met Brooke Lopez is that Bobby Portis is that, you know, if Milwaukee had to play an entire season, like they did the other night, you'd probably see some of these same issues coming up. Maybe not quite to the extent that Charlotte has, but you would still see it. Right. And yeah. So basically it's like, if you were to go to in games against just, the Hornets every other night, like, right. You know, struggling right. to pull out a win like that. I mean, Right, exactly. And so it, 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 at a certain point, players are really good complementary players, but they have to have something to complement. Like you get bread at the restaurant and then you get something else. You don't just go and eat bread and go home, hopefully. So could be cheap. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And, and could be cheap. <laughs> and, and Steve Clifford, look, I, I really like Steve Clifford. I think he's. It was obviously sort of a weird coaching search. I mean, that's kind of its own separate issue. Um, and, and but again, he was your coach, and I think it was a it, it was a better hire than it was a look. Like it was a ba- man, it, it was a bad look. Worst it, look. It was a it was a disjointed coaching search. And again, whether you want to go back and and argue again about James Borrego or not, like it was clear very clear they made that decision to fire james borrego with no plan like there was no plan and, and again like I, 
it kind of gets into the deeper issues. Like, he, what's the plan? Like, it's not James Borrego's fault, or, or rather, it's not Steve Clifford's fault that they basically, like, hey, we know, I, I know this guy, and he he would take the job, and I'm, I'm I know he would, you know, accept the job and come to Charlotte and coach these guys again because he's been here and we we know him already. That's not his fault though that you basically fumbled the entire process up to that point. Like there are deeper issues going on than Steve Clifford, than these players. And I don't think it's fair to like hold ultimate blame against them. Um, I think he's kind of doing what he can with his hands, with one hand tied behind his back. Um, And really, I think what you're going to take away from this season, if anything, is next year, hopefully the squad is more ready to compete. And then you're able to see kind of the fruits of the labor of a guy like a Jalen McDaniels who gets extended opportunity this year to get more run and get more minutes. Like he's a guy I'm really becoming more and more impressed with. Um, PJ, if he ends up being a long-term piece, Bryce McGowan's, Kai Jones, those kind of guys. Like that's really what this season I think has become about more than wins and losses. All right. So you mentioned Clifford, not judging him too harshly. I agree with you. I mean, you really can't. I mean, he's working with what he's got to work with. The look of the hire was insane. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, I think the hire was, there's some really good things that can come from this. Um, But Steve Clifford wasn't brought here to meddle around and help guys, you know, become better players and, 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 you know, really take player a from point a to point B. That's not what we're doing. This, that's not what he was brought here to do. He was brought here to win. And so at this point, which direction do you think this team should go? I mean, is it, is it tank? Is it just play it out, see where it goes. You win the games that you can win and you go for it. You lose the games that obviously you're supposed to lose. You see where it falls, whatever. So where do you fall on that spectrum? Right. I think should uh, – they they should tank. Like, to me, it's been kind of apparent since – really, I hate to say before the season, but if you want to – you know, you hate to say that before you even play a single game. So I would say – that initial eight game losing streak they went on and, and coinciding with the repeating injuries. It was, it was almost just like the basketball gods were saying, Hey, look, you're tanking. Like we know you're trying to compete. We're not allowing you to compete this year. You are going to be a bad team this year. Um, but that's not what's going to happen because I don't think look, tanking is look like in theory, we all understand what, the benefits are right. Like, you know, your small market team, it's really the main advantage you have. I would say you're not getting the, the biggest free agent. Acqu- I mean, Gordon Hayward was like a marquee acquisition for you and he's a good player, but you had to pay him $120 million to come to Charlotte coming off of three seasons in Boston that were not, you know, spectacular seasons. So it's the main competitive advantage you have. It's what the NBA and the lottery system is kind of built for is this circumstance, right? I'm going to say it's it's almost going to be like an organic tank because clearly they've tried. I mean, you rushed Gordon Hayward back from a fractured shoulder 
to play. Like veteran Gordon Hayward, who's known to have an injury history, came back and his wife posted all that stuff on social media and all for you to try to win games, right? LaMelo came back early. He admitted because Dennis Smith Jr. was hurt and then rolled his ankle again. So you're clearly not. And look, no team is just going to, they're not going to come out and say, hey, fans, season ticket holders, sponsors, we're tanking. Like they're not going to say that. So I don't think they're going to make moves that show that, but this just isn't a very good team. So you're, you're going to, I mean, I was pulling up the lottery odds as of right now, you're fifth in the lottery odds. You are sitting on a 42% chance at a top four pick right now and a 10 and a half percent chance at the number one pick. Uh, we all know they flattened the lottery odds a couple years ago. Uh, again, it's a lottery. Nothing's guaranteed. You won seven games and didn't get Anthony Davis. Um, but if there was ever a year to do it, because I think it goes deeper than Victor Wimbanyama, like this is a very deep draft beyond him. Clearly, he's kind of that prize jewel, right? If you get him, awesome. Everybody wants him. But Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson, um, even a guy like a Gigi Jackson, you know, there are lots of good players every year, but particularly this year is really deep. I don't think it's the worst year to not be a very good team. Yeah, the Hornets don't have to tank. Like, the tank is coming for them. Like, it, it, it just is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've there have been a lot of people say, oh, the Hornets are tanking. They're playing Plumley all these crazy minutes in the fourth quarter and all this kind of stuff. Like, there's no way that you can – you know, back that up, and it's, that's crazy. They're rushing guys back who are clearly not fully healthy, and they're asking guys who are 60%, 65%, maybe 70% to come back and to chase wins, and it hasn't worked out for them. Um, not closing out games. They're not trying to actively tank. They are trying to actively win, but it doesn't matter that the tank is coming for them, whether they want it or not. And it is, it is what it is. It, it, it just is. Um, I wanted to get into this because you posted something the other night and I thought it was interesting. This is one of the reasons why I asked you, you were already on my list of guys I wanted to bring on anyways, because you, you welcomed me on to, uh, uh, Bring the sting uh, once upon a time. Right, right. So I want, I, you know, you had to give that back. I had to. This is had one to of my best episodes, guys. by the way. One of my best performing episodes. Uh-oh, that was awesome. Uh oh. So, yeah. The boom, people boom. love you, man. Um, <laughs> but I, I had to give that gentleman welcome back onto, uh, onto mine as well. And so, but when you said what you said the other night on Twitter, I was like, yeah, that's it. This is a great time. Got to get him on. I want him to kind of talk about this a little bit more. So. I'm going to read just a few things that you said the other night. You said, yeah, I was trying to pull it up as well. I got you. I got you. Fans were justifiably upset when Kenny Atkinson spurned the Hornets to stay with the Warriors, but they should also be upset at the people who created an environment worth spurning. Boom. that, That was a pretty good one. And so dive in. Tell me more. Well, here's the thing. Like, I look, I root for the Hornets and I am a fan of the Hornets, not just, you know, doing what we do and, and writing articles about the team, podcasting about the team. Like I don't want to come on here for 
five months in a row and talk about a team that's tanking and a team that's going to win 20 games. I mean, but if that's what it is, look, Kenny Atkinson should have handled that better. Like, no doubt. I, I mean, Kenny Atkinson would probably tell you that, right? Like, at, 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 I don't know if it keeps him up at night or not. Probably not. But, uh, again, like, he probably wishes he would have handled that better. I'll give him that. But looking back now and everything that's happened, I mean, he would have probably felt like the world's biggest fool if he had taken this Hornets job. And, and the injuries, like, we can't predict that. And it was before – you know, the whole Bridges situation imploded on itself. So again, it's maybe it's a little different if you're trying to hire him later and all, but it's a small circle. Like there are 30 NBA teams and that's not that many. And the coaching circle is small and word gets around. And and I'm sure he looked at it like, Hey, this Brego guy, whatever you may think of him, did a decent job there and they just they, they just let him loose um and basically my boss is going to be michael jordan is that a move that's really setting up my career to advance the way i want it to and what's the most likely outcome if i take this hornet's job like again i'm going to have to perform better than the guy they fired to get me you would think so is it winning 50 games? Is it winning a playoff series? Like, again, the bar admittedly is not that high in Charlotte for success, right? Um, if you win a playoff series here, I mean, maybe, I don't know, they might give you a statue at the arena or something. But for real, here's the thing might. with Kenny Atkinson. Like, he didn't handle it well. I'm not going to argue that point. But don't – you can blame him for how he handled it, and that's totally fair to me. But I also think there needs to be some – reflection of the environment like is this an environment where you're going to get the best available coaching candidates like is it an attractive environment this is their careers no one's going to sign up for you know what they perceive to be a bad situation and he has it good i mean it's probably one of the best assistant gigs is is there with the warriors uh they had mike brown take the kings which has kind of been the other poorly run franchise and they're actually doing pretty well this year so um, I don't know. I, I mean, I just thought it was, again, I'm not totally saying Atkinson is blameless for how he handled that because he's not. And there's videos on my channel that show me putting a lot of blame on that guy. But at the end of the day, you also need to say like, wait a minute now, are we, are we really creating an environment that like the best coaches are going to want to come to? Yeah. And I think that in light of Gordon Hayward's wife taking to uh, social media and seeing how the Hornets organization handled his injury and rushing him back and him not being healthy. And we end up finding out that, like you said earlier, he had a fractured shoulder and the team just like wasn't stating that nothing. And so I think there needs to be some blame. Uh, that goes around on the medical staff, on the coaching staff as well for trying to chase wins and maybe pulling guys and saying, hey, give me what you can. But then it seems weird that even when you're asking guys to give me what you can, you're playing them nearly 30 minutes. That's not, you know, Eric Spolstra said a few weeks ago, uh, you know, if you're a guy who gives me 30 minutes, give me 15. If you're a guy that usually gives me 20, give me seven or eight because the Heat are dealing with their own injuries. And so, you know, that kind of mindset, who knows if even that is the proper way to take it, but that makes a little bit more sense than, you know, 
bringing guys back. And uh, so I think that that brought to light a lot of things just around this organization. That was just like this cherry on top of just things that Hornets fans have been dealing with and, and, and asking of this organization, like do more, make that big move, make that big splash. Don't be scared to spend money. We see the team <laughs> possibly trading away a lottery pick just so that we don't enter into the luxury tax pre miles bridges situation and all of those things that happen on draft night. That's been well-documented as well. That. No reason to go back all that way, but that's just one of those things that we can see just kind of stacking and stacking. We're like, what is going on? Like, and then just the culture around the team. We just, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to blame the Hornets for what Miles Bridges did. That's on him, but just the culture of losing more so. Right. That, and I think that's what you were getting at is like, that's probably why Atkinson didn't want to come here is because this culture of losing, like things just – they're not getting better. Man, and it is hard to get rid of a culture of losing. I mean, you can bring in a new coach, get some new players, but it's kind of just like putting lipstick on a pig. You know, it's like putting a fresh coat of paint on a house that where the foundation is cracked. Like you, you can't – and people don't want to hear that because fixing your foundation is expensive and it takes time and it's not easy. and we don't have the answers. We're just a couple dudes on a podcast, right? But, I mean, the, the answer certainly isn't just firing people all the time. And Like, I've, I've gone over this before. Look, th there are certain things where Charlotte is not – you're a small market team. You have really no history of success with this version of the Hornets. The, the original Hornets did, but this version of the Hornets, 2004 onward, do not. But – that's not an excuse to get like, that's the reality of what you've been. That doesn't have to be who you are forever. Yeah. Right. And you also, you also stated something about that. Cause I was talking to, you know, fellow Hornets fans and different things. And I was talking about how, like, it seems that half the fan base is just happy. We have a team. Half the yeah. fan base is yeah. just happy that we're not the seven win Bobcats. Like, huh, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe we're only going to win 20 games this year, but at least we're not that team that only won seven. You guys remember that? <laughs> and it's like, no, like that's not, that's not what we want to be. We don't want to just be that city with a team who isn't losing seven games anymore and just be happy. Like we expect for this team to make strides and to become a mainstay in the conversation. That's what, that's what all fans should want. And it's frustrating when it seems that even your fan base doesn't like isn't unified in that journey. Right. Yeah, here's my thing. I mean, and I said it after the plan lost to the Hawks last year because I was in the Spectrum Center. They did a uh, like a watch party, they had it on the Jumbotron there. I was in State and Farm I, Arena that night. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I guess the 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 way in which you lost that game, like it would have ripped our hearts out. You lose on a buzzer beater or something or whatever, but you probably could have lived with that. But the fact that you laid an egg again, and, and I said, hey, like fans are not asking for championships here. It, reasonable fans, at least. Like if you know, go go ask fans at the next home game, like, do you expect this team to win an NBA title? 
like here's the newsflash they probably probably won't or there's a, a high likelihood they're not going to win a title like in our lifetimes but here's the thing you just want a team you can be proud of and, and that that's hard to quantify but like are you proud of this team a lot of the times like you're a fan and you associate with that team the players don't know you the coaches don't know you but like you see somebody wearing a, a hornets bucket hat or a hornets t-shirt or a hornets hoodie and you're like hey man we're on the same team here you can kind of rally around that and be proud of that together. You just want something you can be proud of. It's hard to be proud of a lot of what's gone on with this organization. Like there's been very few moments and that's, what's ultimately so kind of frustrating is that the past couple of years, you, you felt like you were on the doorstep of that. You know, you got this young superstar with LaMelo ball. You obviously still have him, but you have this, you know, really good kind of second star with miles bridges and your things are going well. And, you just kind of lose it all like in one off season and, and, and it's just hard to be proud of. And, and fans are looking at it. Like at least we have a team and at least I can go when the Lakers come or when the Bucks come or when the Warriors come and, and, and go watch the other teams. And it's like, do you really not want more than that? Yeah. To me, it's like, you should expect, you are not a bad fan for expecting more yeah. out of your team. It, it shouldn't just be like blind loyalty to, to, to the Hornets and, and just totally like never questioning anything that's going on. Yeah. I'm one of those crazies that wants that championship. Now, do I think that it's going to happen right here in the now? Did I think this was going to be the season to make it happen? No. All right. I wasn't that naive. Um, but at some point in this lifetime, I want to party like I have never partied before by celebrating yeah. a Charlotte Hornets. NBA Finals Championship, but I right there below. Okay, yeah, man. I, and to clarify that real quick, like clearly, I, I want them to win one too. Like, I'm not rooting against that. Yeah, obviously. no, no, no. I know you. And here's the thing: it's like people. I guess what I push back, like people make it either like you win a championship or you lose every game. And, and when I said that, like after the playing game they lost, I tweeted, "We want a team we can be proud of. We're not asking for championships." I think people took like, there were people like, oh, I'm asking for championships. And I was like, based on what? Like, you're not going to go from a 10th seed playing team. Like, there were people who expected a championship, like going into this year. And I'm like, hold on now. Like, come on, we got to be a little bit realistic here. But yeah, of course, we want to win a championship. But there are also like really good franchises that have never, like Utah, I consider Utah to be a really well run team. Like, they're normally so good. Like, they tried to tank that. Uh, they're not that good now, but like they started off the year first in the West when they were trying to tank. Like that's normally a very good team. Indiana, kind of the same thing. You know, there are teams that have never won championships. Like Utah's never won a championship, but they're still a really good franchise. There's no reason Charlotte can't kind of try to duplicate that to some extent. And, yeah, and, and it kind of yeah, people are like, oh well, you're either you're either the 2017 Warriors or the 2012 Bobcats. And like, there's no in between. Yeah, and no, there's the process. And before you can become a contender and one of those elite teams in the conversation, you have to have some sustained success in the middle where you're a yearly playoff team, where you are in the conversation for being a top six seed year in and year out. And so, yeah, clearly, 
one day in the future, that's what we want. We want that championship. But right now, like, the bar is pretty low. And that's make the dang playoffs. Right. And once you get there, just do that first. And then the next step after that is win a playoff series. And then after that is let's do this, I don't know, like every year be one of those teams that's in the mix. That's the process. And so, um, no, no, I knew what you were saying. Right. I, I had you. I had you. Um, but, yeah, hopefully hopefully we have that Larry OB in hand, uh, you know, one day. And the parade is, you know, going down the streets of Charlotte. Oh, yeah. And w- we're there to uh, to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. But no doubt. Man. Thank you for hopping on. I, I've I've had fun. I've been just talking with myself, and I I don't mind that because you know I can schedule when I need to schedule. I can you know if I'm gonna do it at midnight, I can do it at midnight. I ain't gotta ask anybody. I don't have to you know sync schedules or anything like that. So I I like that aspect, but it has been fun just going back and forth, being able to uh, you know have that live conversation, but. Man, tell everybody where they can catch you at, uh, where they can reach you, all those things in case they missed it somewhere in the middle. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the Twitter is just at Evan Birchmore, E-V-A-N-B-I-R-C-H-M-O-R-E. Uh, I'm also, like like was mentioned at the top, I manage the uh, Swarm and Sting uh, blog, which is through Fansided. Um, so link to that is in my bio. I also host the Bring the Sting podcast. Link to that is also in my bio. So if you just... At Evan Birchmore, you can kind of find everything there as well. And uh, pretty active on Twitter as well. Um, And, you know, doing articles on the daily and podcasts every week. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you again for having me on as well. I'm I'm pretty active on there, though. I'll I'll follow back also. So uh, that's where I can be found. Oh, man, he follows back. Check him out. (laughs) Man, we were glad to have you here at Hive Hoops. We brought the sting, literally. Oh, yeah. Hive Hoops today. Um, but guys, thanks for listening to another episode. You know what to do, like review, subscribe, do all the things that you know to do. We'll catch you back on the next episode. Adios. Thanks for listening to hive hoops presented by the league. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.